there is something beautiful when the Lord um, continue his work, continues his work even outside of um, our uh, regular schedule programming. Um, and I think it's so beautiful when the Lord does this um, because apparently he wants to say something. And so I'm believing that even in our, um, what we're going into with this series, I believe it is be um, very helpful um, as we transition into uh, this place. But I believe that the Lord um, wants to say something very mightily today. Um, and I am praying that <clears throat> we open our, our, our hearts, our minds for what um, he wants to say to us. Um, because I believe that it is something powerful. Let's all stand um, as we get ready to move into the word of the Lord. Um, please remember that we do have our podcast available weekly. Um, typically, we are starting a new series today called Let This Mind. Um, I think this is going to be such a um, amazing series. And so let's get ready for that because I know that's going to be great for you. Um, let us go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, a very familiar passage of scripture. When we get to it, when you get to it, you'll know for a fact what it is. However, it's one that we have used completely out of context in the life I've been in church. So we are going to re-examine it to give it its proper context so we can make sure that we have the mind of Christ. This series is geared to having his mind. Um, and saints, if you don't have his mind, you have nothing. And so we are going to ensure that we um, start the series off um, as strong as we are we can um, to begin this um, nine-week journey um, to reprogramming and realigning our minds to him. All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's say it again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want to preach on this subject. Have you lost your mind. You may be seated. Father, we just thank you for what you are doing in this place. I thank you for your spirit that is here. Grant us preaching grace now to deliver this message how you want it to. I thank you for your power, for your strength that's made perfect even in weakness. I thank you, God, for what you are going to do, what you are going to say. Have your way. Without you, Father, I am nothing. But with you, we are everything. I yield myself to you. Let every distraction be ceasing now. And we thank you for what you're going to do and say in this place. In your name we do pray. Amen. Someone shout again. Have you lost your mind? So this is definitely a question. However, even in this, it is something I think very great to realize that if, if nothing... A lot of you all at some point probably has heard, have you lost your mind in a negative connotation um, from your mama or some kind of guardian, a church mother, something in this point. Uh, you've heard, have you lost your mind? And it was typically accompanied by a slap across the face or um, a belt or a threat of some regard of what they were going to do to you once it was all uh, over, all right? And typically when they always said, have you lost your mind, they always said it with their head cocked to the side, you know? So it's always, my mama always, when she was here, uh, she always gave this little pause, and then she would say, have you lost your mind? And then she would kind of lean in, so you knew she was coming up to smack you across the face or something, or you were going to get it when we got home if we were out somewhere. And so that is something else. However, I do believe the Lord is also asking us this question because you're still thinking like yourself. 
It is something to lose your mind completely um, and it not being able to, um, to be found again. Um, and that is a good losing of mind. And so when it comes to this, I think I am blessed to pastor such a phenomenal church. Um, I am blessed to pastor, uh, knock on this podium, a thinking church. We are all a people that is very, uh, I'm going to make, make up a word and say thinkative. We just love to think. We just think our ways into, think our way into a lot of different things. However, I believe I am blessed to pastor a very thinkative church uh, that thinks our ways into some things. And I think also that we have thought our way, um, our way into some bad things. Amen. All right. They're like bougie. We have at some point you have thought your way into some things. Probably you would have loved not to have thought your way into. All right. And so you have probably thought your way into some things you weren't planning to think your way into. How many of you all know that your mind can be a, 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 a diving board into the devil's stuff? If you let your mind go too much, you will find yourself in a whirlwind of different things. However, I believe that I pastor a mentally redeemed people. Hallelujah. That has the ability to praise God because I don't think like I used to when I was in the world. Praise the Lord. Okay. Y'all wake up. It's first Sunday. Okay. All right. We don't think as we did in the world. There is there should have been, listen, a transformation from one mind to the mind you have now. So when we say let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus, we have said this and preached it in the wrong context of what Paul was trying to say to the Philippian church. So. This month is a month called Mental Awareness Month. It is a month uh, filled with a lot of different things. Yeah, I think it's lupus awareness. There's a lot of different things going on this month. However, one thing is mental health. And I am real big on making sure that people around me are in a mentally good space. Okay? I love to ask you, how are you doing? All right? What's on your mind? Or I love the Lord to give insight of what's going on because I want to make sure that you are okay. Thankfully, people, God has put around me honest people that can just say, hey man, I ain't like, hey, it's a good day today. All right, I can honor that, all right? Just be real. If you're not having a good day, say you're not having a good day. However, there is one tool the devil wants for us, wants to use against us, and that's called insanity. Someone say insanity. Insanity is something the devil loves to give. Now, insanity is when you keep repeating something, the same thing, one thing, and expecting a different outcome. That's insanity. All right? You probably can name off a few insane people right now that just keep on doing the same thing over and over again. And they're not getting a different result. But they're so adamant in doing the same thing over and over and over a lot of our insane issues is identity problems. We would love to believe we know who we are. But in reality, we don't know strongly who we are until we know who God is. All right? So you have to know who he is, rest assuring who he is, and then you can find out who you are. The thing is, though, we as bad as humans, we love to wait until the last minute to discover something about our minds. We'll wait it out. We will go through. And what it manifests in depression, anxiety, insanity, loneliness. And this manifests in all these different things. So by the time we want to address it, it's too late when we could have addressed it before this. Someone say amen. 
All right? So it is possible, even in this, and we're going to get to the, the really point of this, people can look really good on the outside, ain't step, but in reality, they are mentally jacked up. It is possible to look beautiful and look like a bucket of ashes on the inside of you, okay? Ain't nothing there, okay? Ain't nothing there. No hot dog, no mustard, no ketchup, nothing there inside it because you are just too drawn out. Yet and still, we put on a great front in here. Here's the point of this. There is a difference between losing your mind and never again finding it versus losing your mind in exchange for another. So you can lose your mind and you can never, there, there is a thing called Eastern State Hospital, okay, that is there on a Newtown Pike and those people and they have lost their minds, okay, because of something traumatic, something serious that they inherited from another person, another generation, they inherited and they're living out. They have lost their minds and they're not finding it again, truthfully. But there is something good called losing your mind in exchange for another. All right. Here's the biggest point to this. What I just said, you are not going to find your future if you do not have a transformed mind. You are not going to know who God is calling you to be if you don't first get a transformed mind. Someone say transformed. He only releases his will and the future to a mind that is transformed. Here is why. Because your untransformed mind cannot process a transformed future. So he has to transform your mind first before he launches you into something called the future. A lot of us always say, I'm so ready for the future. I can't wait for what God, what God has for me and whatever else. But truth be told, he's been trying to get it to you, but you have not been willing to surrender your mind. Amen. So transforming a mind is very great. Many say all the time, I want God, but they really don't want him. They say, I love God, but your heart does not want him. All right. True, true transformation does not begin in the mouth. It begins in the heart. And God wants your heart to be fixed first. There is a scripture I've been studying when I was praying for this series uh, last month that says, and I think we oftentimes skip over this real quick, Mama Sharon. Um, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We oftentimes say, you know, as a man thinketh, so is he. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, which means your mind has a mental capacity that probably you have not tapped into yet. Your mind, your heart has a mind that perceives and conceives things that you probably have yet to deal with. It's called the subconscious. It is stuff that stays there until the right moment trigger comes. And there you go all through that. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. And your homework, I want you to just really study this. Philippians chapter 1, I mean 2, excuse me, all the way through. 1 through 10, just really meditate on that all week. We're going to go through verses of or 1 through 6 is 7, maybe. All right? So this is the context of what we're preaching. I want you to understand that. Paul says, therefore, if any, it, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort and love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind. Verse 3. Let nothing be there through selfish ambition, 
conceit, but lowliness of, of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Praise the Lord. So in verse 1, he's talking about having the same mind. It's context of having getting to verse 5. Okay, Miss Ross? Verse 1 talks about how we are to have the same mind. Now, this is not saying that we are supposed to be a copycat people. Okay, that's not what Paul's saying. What he's saying is we have to share the same mentality. And here's what that means. That definition of mentality here in the scripture is the attitude that governs your mind. Having a pure attitude that should govern your mind. Not situations, not circumstances, not things that we're going through. Having the right attitude, the same attitude, and we're going to discuss what that is. It is the transformation of the way the mind is going to work. How the mind is going to work. Let me explain. The mind, we oftentimes think we are governed by our mind. Truth is, a lot of us are governed by our mind. The second we start thinking something like, oh boy, you just go for it. Just wrong in the flesh. But we are not meant to be that way. We are meant that our mind is supposed to be a servant to the spirit. Not our mind is the servant of us. So if we do not take on the right mentality, the attitude is that the spirit should be governing your mind, not your mind governing yourself. But if your mind is governed by Holy Spirit, then there are some things you won't find yourself in and some things you won't see yourself in when in a moment your flesh is raging. Have you ever had a moment where your flesh was giving you just all kind of, all kind of signals to do and say and be involved in things you know you shouldn't be involved in and yet and still the spirit will say, hey, don't do that. Hey, just stop there. And we shut that side of our mind off. Here's the thing. We have the ability to shut up something to give leeway to what we want to make work for us. We are professional flesh mind dwellers, but we are so in, uh, deficient in letting the spirit work for our mind. I don't know how we got that way. I know we were born into sin and shaped in iniquity, but I'm just not sure how in the heck we allowed our minds to start governing us. But I'm telling you what God is coming for is just coming for the mind of the people to ensure we are no longer governed by our flesh, but we're governed by the spirit. Even the Bible says that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And it also talks about how we are to let the spirit guide us into. Yet and still, we are quick to let our mind govern our lives. A person who lives, listen to this, a person who, is, who lives their life by their mind can never come into the full purpose of God or themselves. A person who lives by their, by their life, excuse me, by their mind, excuse me, excuse me, live their life by their mind can never come into the full purpose of themselves. Because here's the thing, the way your mind is set up right now, your mind uh, cannot conceive what God is doing and that feeds into your identity. Let me explain. Let's see some of y'all's faces. Here's the issue. Your mind can't fathom what God is trying to do in your life. But we try to wrap our minds around what God is doing and then we end up with this mentality that we can't figure out 
So what happens? We just start flipping out in a moment when we really should be allowing God to do what he's doing and not try to figure him out. Here's my point. Stop trying to figure out what God's doing because your mind can't wrap around it. He did not fashion your mind to know it all. That's why the, even the Bible says that we prophesy in part because we know in part. That's why he also says that I have not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared. Which means it's already done. He gives you glimpses of the preparation, but he's not going to show you the prepared. We're not ready because our minds are not prepared. What could God do with a prepared mind? What could God do with a surrendered mind? How well off better would you be right now if your mind was not in the state it is right now? So, you cannot come into the purpose of God until your mind is right. You don't know who God is until you get your mind together. Because he comes, he gives you glimpses of that in your mind. He gives you what your mind can handle, which is why it's important for us to exercise our minds. <laughs> All right? By studying the word of God, by praying, by praying in the spirit. These things are exercising our minds. Okay? Praise the Lord. If you don't know who he is, again, you have no identity. Praise the Lord. So when it comes to verses 2 and 3 um, and 4, he talks about don't do anything out of your own self-ambition. It's going to get good. All right? If there is a selfish bone in your body, I expect you to manifest. Because here's why. You cannot say you love God and be selfish at the same time. If you are always thinking about yourself, God can't use you. Because God's mission is that he came here to earth. We're going to see that in verse 6. How he came here to earth unselfishly for people that wouldn't even like him. That's called, uh, now he's, un, he's an unselfish being, all right? If you are using people for your own gain, you in sin, according to Paul, all right? If you love your own success, you are in sin, according to Paul, all right? You can't do anything of your own strength. You can't make it on your own. However, the devil will convince you that you can do things on your own and don't need God. If you are in here and you have been allowing the enemy to make you feel as if you can do it on your own, you probably have a trait of one of the fallen angels. You can't pursue your promise and you're still in the flesh. So God has to condition your mind over a course of time to ensure you are thinking properly. God, again, God will not unleash his will to a mentally unstable person because you cannot perceive what he's doing if you're unstable. Self-centered people, say this with me, lose their mind. If you're always focused on yourself, you will always be waiting for the applause of one you can't give yourself your own applause. <laughs> so you have got to some point, at some point in your life, come out of always thinking about yourself. If you always want to do something for yourself, and here's the thing, Lord was ministering to me about this earlier, uh, yesterday, yesterday. He was talking to me about how people oftentimes use the excuse of, I just never put myself first. I, I just got to do something for myself. That's fine. But if you're always saying that, there's an issue, okay? Uh, there's something wrong with you, all right? Sorry, boo-boo kitty, but there's something wrong with you if you're always just saying that one statement. Here is why. God does not mind you doing something for yourself. However, when you always put yourself first and then take care of somebody else, you're in sin. 
You're selfish. Okay? Praise the Lord. Some of y'all just looking like, uh, y'all manifesting. Come on out of there. All right? So here is the thing. Verse 4. The Bible says that let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You are to do unto others as you would do to yourself. If you're always putting yourself first, you, are, you probably are going to get very frustrated with who you have in your circle. Because they're not going to do what you have not been doing to yourself first. If you're always thinking about yourself, they're always going to think about themselves. They ain't going to be thinking about you. And you think, I don't got no supportive friends. Maybe because you're not supportive first. Praise the Lord. So God did not put anything above himself. He always put him, he always put you all, us first, and then he did something for himself. <laughs> he did something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And that's where we go. Here's what the Lord told me uh, yesterday. He said, it is impossible, it is possible to revert to a former mindset without revelation of where you're going. It is possible to revert to a former mindset without revelation of where you're going. It is easy to go back when you don't know how to go forward. I just said something that should be slapped on Facebook. At some point in your life, you have got to become a person who is not so easily enticed with your former mindset. Okay? That's why the Bible says, Behold, um, uh, you give yourself to Christ or whatever else. He said, Behold, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things become new. If you're not willing to embrace new, then you are, you are still married to your old. And there's no way in God's kingdom that you can continue to move throughout the kingdom of God and still have an old mindset. The thing is, though, we keep trying to preach and teach and counsel people that do not have a new mindset. Your influence, your encouragement, your whatever you got, your hook of Messiah, shake of Messiah, whatever you got, is not going to be influential to someone who does not have a transformed mind. There are some people you should not be giving advice to because they're not conditioned enough to receive it. That's a word. So at some point, you all, something has to give and something has to change. Verse 5, where we keep on saying this scripture. Let this mind be in you, which, is, which was also in Christ Jesus. Miss Ross, I've always heard it as let this mind be in you that's in, that's in Christ Jesus. But the scripture says let this mind be in you that was in him. He doesn't need a mind. Period. But when he was here, he had one. So the example that we have is when he was here living and the principles he gave that's the mindset it was in him so where is it now it's supposed to be but the enemy has got us conditioned to think that, uh, that, this, that this mind that we have is not good enough so we're all but no let me tell you something God has given us his mind the ability to have that look at verse 5 again let this mind be you that was in Christ Jesus so when you know who you are this is what you do you simply lose your mind I ask you have you lost your mind yet you have to be willing listen to be empty to learn something new to gain something new. To do something new. You can't keep your mind and go after his will at the same time. One more time. You can't.
keep your own mind and go after his will at the same time. Because your mind will talk you out of chasing something you cannot tangibly see. <laughs> your mind is a skilled runner. Your mind is a professional star six seven. If I can just, let me just call, who, who, just reverting back up because you do not have the proper mentality to move forward in your life. Praise the Lord. So if you're willing, if you're not willing to become nothing, then God can't make you something. You must be willing to become absolutely nothing so God can make you something. And the way he does that is through the mind. Someone say the mind. What is the condition of your mind right now? How stable are you? How sure are you? How positive are you? How unstable are you? How crazy is your mind? What is the condition of your mindset right now? Crazy, stable, silly, not, not serious enough, professional, unprofessional, wacko, crazy, circus, hoopla, hoopla. What is the condition of your mind? That is a question that you need to ask yourself. Because here is the mind of Christ. Here's how you know if you have the mind. Listen, verse 6 says this, let this mind be in you which also in Christ Jesus. Listen, verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. Someone say bond servant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess of those on earth and of those under earth and every, me, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. Now, this is where we get that. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. We get all that scripture. However, here is the difficulty. We're not willing to allow his mind to come into us. It's because we're not willing to serve yet. His mind it's servanthood. Yet our minds is, they should do it for me. His mind was all about serving. He came to serve and serve unto death. I hope we understand that premise. He came to serve for the cross, for us. And the thing is, though, you can't expect God to do something for you if you're not willing to kill your old self. <laughs> So if you're not willing to make yourself, again, nothing, you're not fit for the new mind. You must humble yourself. And in God humbling you, then God will publicize what he's doing in you. But we have to learn how to serve. Someone say, how are you serving? You have to stop trying to make things work for yourself. I wish I could just put that on a billboard all over the all over town. Stop trying to make things work for yourself. It don't work like that, fam. You're not going to become who you want to become at your own doing. You become who God wants you to be by serving. That is the mind of Christ. If Jesus had to become something, why do you think you get saved and you become instantly arrived? There is a process to this. And Jesus is the perfect example of a well-executed process. Yeah. 
He never became too full of himself. That is the mind of Christ. You have to find who you are and then become, I'm sorry, you have to come out of who you are to become who you need to be. It starts here. But if your mind can talk you out of a process, you don't have a promise. Amen. If your mind can talk you out of the process, there is no promise. What is possible, though, is that your mind can talk you out of God's process and put you into your own process, and then you think you've arrived. There are so many people right now that think they're living in promise and living in hell. It is possible to hell for hell to feel good to people that are unprocessed. I just said something. Hold to the process that God has given you. Someone say amen. amen. God is taking you out of what you know and making you what you're not used to being. <laughs> can I, if I can give you any word for the season, you're coming out of yourself. Into who God wants you to be. You're coming out of yourself. You're coming out of who you've always called yourself. All right. There is coming a time in this season where people will start looking at you saying you don't look the same. You don't post the same. You don't act the same. You don't talk the same. And it really will be genuine this time. We can sing about this. I'm thinking, do I look more? My hands look new. My foot look at my feet. Name it too. We can sing about it. But in reality, there is something new coming into the earth that's coming for who you think you are right now. And that comes at God targeting your mind. He wants your mind to be done of the former life so he can really embrace to you who you're called to be in this new life. Amen. So God locks your, the sight of yourself until you are willing to serve. He's locking the sight who you are supposed to be up until you are willing to serve and serve well. If you want to know who you are, serve. And the more you serve, God can trust you with the future. Because as much as you get low, God can unlock some new things to you. It is an ironic thing, uh, maybe oxymoron to say, put your face to the ground and you'll see more. But it really is how the kingdom works. Serve well, you'll see more. One more time. If you serve well, you will see more. Because when you're not serving, you are trying to do things yourself. But when you are serving, you are trying to do what God called you to do. And that brings you into the purpose you're called to be in. Amen. So God is taking you out of what you know and making you what you're not used to being. Okay? Praise the Lord. There are some things you will not see until you serve. You know who you are by serving. That's where the identity is. Yes, Jesus knew who he was. However, listen to me, his purpose was not given until the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Finally. This purpose was not solidified until he was what? Willing to kill himself. Can I prove it to you? In the Garden, he said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Then he said what? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That word will even moves into the word mind. Not my mind, but thy mind be done. What he wants for me. And that's how you will. At that point, Jesus finally understood his purpose. Which is why the Bible said, as he prayed that prayer, it was as blood coming out. Sweat. Because he finally realized his purpose. Let me tell you something. You will know who you are at your most sweatiest point. 
At your most point where you are suffering, you will find out who you are. That's how Jesus found out who he was. And at that point, what happened? He got up, he got up addressed the disciples for not being able to stay awake and pray. It's a whole message. And then what happened? Soon, the guards came and took him on because he finally embraced purpose. When you finally know who you are, you will, that, will, that, will first, that will be the entryway into crucifixion. Then you can die. Because you're finally over what the Lord told you to get over. He took on the likeness of man, the Bible says, and humbled himself. He looked like one of us, one of the bros, and humbled himself. Praise the Lord. So losing your mind puts you in a place where God is responsible, listen, for promoting you. What happened? When Jesus got over himself, he went to the cross, Yahweh, and what happened? He exalted him. And at that point, what did they say? You really are. Son of God. God will promote you when you've lost yourself. That's where the mind, the new mind comes from. I hope you're understanding everything I'm saying. Losing your mind means you are, that means bringing to surface you. <laughs> Losing your mind means bringing to surface you. Praise the Lord. Who you really are. That's what losing your mind does. It brings the real you to service. Have you ever surrendered to God and there's like all, all these emotions came out of nowhere? You want to fight somebody? Punch somebody? I mean, you thought you were all right. It's like, dang, I thought I got rid of that anger. Nope. Because God wants it out. And that's how it's going to do. If you are trusting yourself, listen to me, if, you're more, if you are trusting yourself more than you are trusting him, you are too prideful. It's possible to trust yourself. I stop saying, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good, I'll be, I'll be all right. Because the second I go in, I find myself jacked up. Because I trust myself too much. Stop trusting your ability to. You can't do things on your own. So it requires God. And that means you have to lose your mind. So as we begin this series, this is the premise. Lose your mind. So his mind can be in you. So when Paul said, let this mind be in you, it was the mindset of a servant coming to give his life for people that wouldn't even like him. That's how you obtain his mind. Are you understanding me? This is the series that we're entering into, the season that we're entering into. And as we're preaching throughout this and teaching throughout this, we're going to be taking a strong, in-depth look at the mind. I'm so excited about this series because I want we need to challenge our mindsets. How are you thinking? Are you thinking like him? You, then you, the question is, your homework moving forward is, thinking, would a servant do this? But the second you want to do something, would a, would a servant do this? That's how you get the mind of Christ. When you start thinking what the servant did for me, and then what am I doing in the midst of trying to live for him? <laughs> That's true servanthood, which is the true mind of Christ. God is concerned with how your mind is. Because if you, if, you claim to have, if you claim to love him, you have to claim to have his mind. If you claim to have his mind, you have got to become a servant. Which means kill your own what you want to do. Some of you just simply need to do this. Come to the end of you. Period. Period. And just come to the end of you. Who you think you are. 
it is something that you, it is, it, is, it is a point where you will come to the point where you have think you have built a phenomenal empire and God says, rip it down and start all over again. It is possible to be that and do that. Here's why. Because God wants all of you. You can't control your life and say you are a Christian. Christians don't control their, control their lives. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, thinking around the 15, 16 verse, it says that I did not bring you out of one slavery to put you in another to, make, to, to still bring you into fear. He didn't do that. He brought you out of a slavehood of the world and brought you into a slave with him, but did it through adoption. That's the Bible. He brought you into adoption, but that's still slavery. Here's why. Because we don't work for ourselves. We work for him. But it is a willing slavery that, you're, that we're in right now. He brought us out of one. That's such a powerful verse, man. He brought us out of one slavery into another, but he did it this time through adoption, not by a whip and chain saying, you got to do this. <laughs> if you want to live for him, you got to lose yourself. I ask you again, have you lost your mind yet? So become desperate to lose your mind. Desperate to lose who you are. Desperate to forget of all the old things and move into the new things of you. How about you take a risk to do it? However, desperation makes risk look small. <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> desperation makes risk look small. I mean, what if I do? What if I do? It's not sure. Just become desperate. All the risks will fade away. Because when you're desperate enough, doesn't matter what else is around you. All I know is I'm focused on him. So let this mind be in you, which was also, which means it's available to us if we just take the point and take the time to realize that we can have this mind by becoming a servant like he did. And I'm not asking you to go and I'm not giving you any kind of uh, leeway to go hang from a wooden cross in your backyard, act like you crucified, don't put no crown of thorns on your head. I'm not saying he already did that for you. What I'm saying is be willing to crucify yourself. Even Paul said, I crucify myself daily. Because <laughs> if I don't, if I'm too alive, I'm too dead. But if I'm too dead, I'm too alive. Kind of silly, isn't it? That's a real thing. If I'm too alive, I'm too dead. Which means I'm too, I'm living. I'm trying to get my hands involved too much. But if I'm dead, I'm alive. In him. Amen? Have you lost your mind? If you haven't, let's work on it. All together. This whole nine weeks, fam. We have 64, 62, 64 days through this series. And we're going to be challenging you all nine weeks, every, every, every week, to get us through to this because we really have got to embrace the fact that God wants our minds whether we want to or not. Your ambition, your goals, your dreams, what you want, throw it away and allow his will to be done in your life. It sounds so like, well, I don't got no life, but I can't live, I can't. Nah, you can still have a great life, but a great life is a surrendered life. Surrendered to him, oh man, all the great things come. That's when you get to the scripture of delight yourself in him and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because he will give you the beautiful things if you just give him your life. The thing is that we have to come out of, listen, what we consider as good life. One of the best thing, one of the worst things that's entered in this earth is that song, I'm living my best life. Because like everybody's, everybody's living their best life. I'm just living my best life. But in reality, you're living your worst, but it's not surrendering. 
You live your best life when you are surrendered. You live your best life when you are not living it anymore. Amen? Amen. Have you lost your mind? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have done and what you have said today. We honor you for your greatness and your power. Cause us to become a people that's desperate enough to lose ourselves so that you may receive glory. And Father, when you lost yourself, even in, in Philippians 2, Paul penned that when you did that, you rose Jesus up a name that's above every other name, even in heaven and on earth and under earth, that name still stands. And so, Father, as we consider this passage of scripture moving forward in our lives, I pray that we gain the moment and the momentum to kill our own minds so that your mind can be us. What, what you say, what you think, what you want to do. We honor you, Lord, for your grace and for your power. It is in your name we pray. Amen.